I think our only job as human beings, people are like, I got to find my purpose. All you really have to do is just act in alignment with whatever you've been obediently instructed to do. Thanks to Credit Karma for supporting my podcast. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Also, thanks to GoodRx. GoodRx is a free and easy to use service that allows you to instantly compare prices for your prescriptions and find discounts on your medications. To start saving up to 80% on your prescriptions today, go to goodrx.com slash dreamjob. Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really, really excited for you to hear this episode today. Jerisha Hawk is here and every single time I hear her, every single time I'm with her, I'm so deeply moved and inspired and I feel like I grow just being in her presence. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys think about this episode. I think that you're going to not only love it, but she's going to fuel you to step forward in your business. So I'm really excited to get into that. Um, before we do, I just want to remind you, we now have two spots left. We opened up for the retreat that I'm doing in beautiful South Florida at the Boca Resort. If you want to get in on that, you can go to kathyheller.com slash retreat. It's going to be two and a half amazing days on the ocean. We are going to fully just move into that place of potential, that place of your future self, that place of claiming all that is. And it's going to be both really healing as well as very strategic. And there's going to be some fun guest speakers and beautiful food and gorgeous views. So if you want to get those last two spots, go to kathyheller.com slash retreat. Okay. So Jerisha Hawk is incredible. She's here today. She's a marketing and sales expert. She's a coach. I'm a huge fan of hers and have wanted to have her on the show for so long because everything she does is just fire. Jerisha's work focuses on narrowing the racial wealth gap by training experts to create sustainable online coaching businesses. And she is truly doing this. She is paving the way for so many possibilities of what wealth really can and does look like. She is a bolt of lightning. Everything she says about giving yourself permission to receive and really overcoming any fear of stepping into the most powerful part of you and the fact that you're needed in this world, it just rings so true. And I'm so grateful that she's doing what she's doing in the world. Without further ado, please welcome the one and only incredible Jerisha Hawk. Hi. Hello. I love this. I'm so happy that you're here. You know, I watch you every time you go live. I'm either watching or catch the replay. I, I want to repost almost every post, but I'm like, it's a little bit of like a groupy thing. Like don't post everything she posts. I just love you so much. So I'm so happy that you're here. You know, the timing is always right. Like I know we've met, like I said, like two years ago and we've been just, y'all, y'all can be some great human beings on social media through direct message and in the comments. Like yeah. Like, I feel like we have so many juicy things to dive into. So what's really cool about this conversation is I feel like Jerisha, not only are you somebody who is so available for truth and wisdom, but you really are also so, so good at strategy and sort of outlining things that are both in the 5D, but also in the 3D, like really breaking things down. So I think it's fun to sort of have you here and we can sort of 
bridge from this place of like, you know, exploring and seeking the truth of the universe to like, all right, let's break this down. Let's sort of see how we can bring heaven down to earth, so to speak, and make things move. And so we're going to dive into that. The first thing I'm going to do is ask you a little bit about your journey, because I know where you were a little bit before you became an entrepreneur working for yourself. Let's talk about that journey of just where you were. And then once you got this idea of like, I'm going to go work for myself, what that looked like. The quick and dirty is I, I graduated with a degree in civil engineering. I was a pipeline engineer. I used to work for utility in Michigan on like massive projects. They were, I was 25, 24 years old. And I was a lead engineer of a $400 million pipeline project. Absolutely wow. unqualified for the role y'all. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, not fully un underqualified, but like that was a lot of money to be uh, a lot. The, the head engineer of at such a young age. But I think even those experiences, uh, I was in like a leadership program in, in that company. And I think part of the reason why I got the job, and this definitely correlates to how, you know, kind of where I'm at now is that sometimes you may not qualify on paper, but that does not mean that you don't have the capabilities and the skill set to be qualified in, in the practicality of the role in and of itself. Every job I've ever gotten, I wasn't qualified for, except for Coldstone. Um, that was my very first job. Yes. In high school. <laughs> the only requirement was like, can you legally work in the state of Michigan? And I was like, yes, here's my worker's permit. I got the job. But I was always really good at being able to understand what is the bottom line? What is the core desire need for the role? And how does my role impact the bottom line of the organization? And then what are my transferable skill sets? What are my current capabilities? And how can I effectively articulate that value and, and communicate that bridge of alignment so I can land the job? And I was able to do that over and over and over again in every role I've ever had outside of Coldstone. And people started to ask me questions of like, how are you getting these mentors? How do you have all these sponsors inside of the company? How are you landing these roles when like technically on paper, you don't meet the requirements? What are you doing? And I started answering my peers questions on Facebook. Those, these Facebook lives still exist. If you scroll all the way down, um, it's a little embarrassing now looking back. So like, you don't, you can keep your two cents on what <laughs> they looked like back in the day, but that, that's what got me here. And I started just answering questions on live stream uh, about what my peers were asking me. And I did that for a couple of months. Um, I have a back, most of my jobs before being an engineer were like sales related or like customer experience related. Um, but, and I had a business in college too. So then people started asking like, well, can you coach me? Like, can I hire you? And I'm like, hire me to tell you what, like, I don't have anything tangible to give you. And that's when I started really understanding the value of my intellectual property and the value of how do I engineer the thought process of what I do intuitively so that I can document that in a way where somebody else can learn from that in a very practical manner to get a desired or a similar result. So that's like the quick and dirty version. Like I wasn't planning on quitting my job. I loved my career. Um, working in natural gas and electric and electricity is very fulfilling. People don't think about that. Like that's what allows us to not live in a third world country to some degree is having yeah. electricity and natural gas. But then I started making more money doing this. And I was like, I can always go back and be an engineer. Let me like try this out and see how it works out. And it was like the best decision I've ever made. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. Wow. And you had the courage and you did. So then take us all the way. Cause I've got some like nitty gritty questions I want to ask you about because so many people who, who are here are wanting to build something that's even an eighth of as 
successful as what you built. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty, but take us to where you are now. So let's just talk about leverage for a second. Like what is leverage? Because I feel like from here, we can sort of then zoom out and go into the pieces. Why leverage? Why did you build this? What is it about? And why is this sort of like where we're all headed so that we could be successful the things that are inside of leverage? Let's talk about that. Yeah, this program was like a, a three to four years in the making before it became what it is today. Leverage is our mothership. It is like the base of every decision that we make. It's all roads lead to leverage. Um, but leverage is a group coaching program that's curriculum based. Uh, that teaches other industry experts how to, you know, better design and structure a curriculum-based three to $10,000 group coaching program and how to sell it online organically using organic marketing, more sophisticated messaging, and using a permission-based sales approach, like sales conversations through direct message or sales calls. And even in that, you'll notice all these like qualifiers of what it is that we do. We're very, very specific with the type of person that we work with and the type of result that we deliver. Um, but the reason why about uh, at the beginning of last year, we decommissioned every other program. We had another program that we used to sell that we decommissioned and, and killed. I guess the polite, the politically correct version of we sunsetted it. You know? Yeah, sunset. Yeah. I'm like, we slashed it, ninja fruit, <laughs> got rid of it. Um, but the reason why I'm so committed to this program is I truly believe that one in the online space, having leverage is everything. Like the beauty of building an online business is that there's very low overhead. You can start the business based off of your existing, your past experiences, your existing expertise. And as long as you have Wi-Fi and like a smartphone or a computer, the business can get going. But we also recognize like where we added the most value in the marketplace. Like, you know, I think the customers, the industry of our space is becoming more sophisticated and what's going on like globally, economically, the K curve is getting wider and wider. And I was like, okay, where do we add the most value in the marketplace? And how can we design an offer that can sustain recession, that can sustain a pandemic and allows us to not be at whim of uh, the bottom of the market? So we wanted to solve a more sophisticated problem, not an entry level issue that our industry is dealing with. And we know that, you know, this to me is the fastest, most profitable way that sets you up for sustainability for coaches to build and acquire true personal net, net worth and true personal wealth. I believe you got to get rich before you get wealthy and you got to learn how to make money before you get rich. And y'all, I'm a black woman. If you guys couldn't, uh, you know, maybe externally tell I'm half black, half white. And I know I got either some Panamanian or Puerto Rican in me and I, I got to do like maybe a 23 in me or something. But like I started behind the line, like I was born into debt. I was born into a negative net worth. And the, like, if you think about, you do any research on millionaires or where people have acquired net worth, 64% of millionaires became millionaires by starting their own business. So when I think about the owner's intent of why leverage exists, why I'm so passionate about the principles that we teach in it is because I know our bigger mission is to help uh, narrow the, the racial wealth gap by helping people become profitable online coaches. And we think about our business as a vehicle to fund our personal net worth that now formulates how do I, what are the decisions that I need to be making operationally within my business model to provide tremendous value to the clients that we serve, to do it in a very profitable manner and to maintain simplicity along the way so that I can build a sustainable foundation for where we start from and where we grow to. So like, I don't know if that was exactly the question. Oh my God. It's so good. There's like 19 things I want to ask you, but. <laughs> 
So let's let's dive into two of the things that come to mind that both are under the umbrella of money, which you were just talking about in such a clean way. Like I feel like when you talk about money, the energetic is so clean. It's so it's so genuine and it's so there to help other people rise that every it's music. Everybody wants to hear you talk about money because it's it's just grounded. It's grounded in strength and it's ground. It's, it's a gift. It really is a gift. So two of the things that I've heard you talk about, I want you to talk about both of them now, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. One of them is, limits. you can ask me literally anything. Okay. Okay. Fine. One of them is you were really transparent and talked about guys this past year, I made a million dollars in profit. You, you did a whole live about it. I watched it. I want to talk about that. And then I'll ask you the other question about something you say about how to, how to get to your first hundred K. Cause you're really cool. You know, where you break that down, but this, this first thing where you, you were really honest and said, okay, I, I made a million dollars in profit so often, right? There's so much shame around money. There's so much shame that it's like, a, I don't really feel that I deserve to be wealthy, right? There's a whole bunch of like, who am I to have it? Other people don't, who am I to charge more when, other people are in scarcity, right? All of that stuff. And then here you go. And you're like, I'm going to like be transparent about the numbers. How can you help, especially women to open their palms to receive in abundance from a place of humility, knowing that that is actually a courageous place rather than needing to backpedal and apologize, which is definitely not you. Nah, I'm make I'm here to secure the bag. Every last one of them. Like cue Cardi B money. That is my theme song. It makes me really emotional anytime I talk about this because it's still my inner conscious has not caught up to my external reality that the business did a million dollars profit last year. Cause that makes me a millionaire. Cause that money is outside of the business yeah. and investment vehicles are like literally sitting in the bank and it, like it still kind of freaks me bless out. Bless her. God bless you. May it only multiply a zillion um, times. Bless <laughs> it you. It still makes bless me so it. emotional. Um, but I think going back to your question about how to talk about money and receive money from a more abundant pl- place, I'm regardless of what you believe in, I'm a Jesus girl through and through. Uh, I believe that I'm a trust fund baby of a kingdom. And I believe that I am an ambassador sent here and I'm really purely just a vessel to be used. Um, and I think that regardless of what, what you believe in or who you believe in or whatever, from a spiritual perspective, I truly believe like, again, if, I, if we're all trust fund babies of whatever kingdom or whatever spiritual realm that we believe in, I think about like Kim Kardashian's kids, or I think about, and that might be, you know, whatever, but like North and true and all them little kids and the Kardashians, they do not doubt they walk knowing that they are born into a trust fund they don't second guess it they don't question like mom why'd you guys make so much money oh my gosh i can't receive all this money that you guys have made and the lifestyle that comes with it it's just it's, it's a normal part of their being and i believe that i serve an abundant god when i look outside i, I recently moved and I'm, I'm looking at the way the ocean right now and it's like look how consistent those waves are every single day every single moment they're coming in if i look outside and go if you go take a walk and you look at all the pl- the flowers the plants the trees that exist it is insanely abundant like whoever you believe created the earth it wasn't like oh we're going to just make roses and stop there like oh that's the only we only make red roses and that's it it's like no there's literally like millions of variations of animals of plants of species we can't even imagine it. And then 
they start cross-pollinating and then guess what? New stuff is created and like people have whole professions just to figure out like what yeah. plants exist today. True. If the world is so abundant, why would I think that that does not apply to me in my life? And money is purely just a resource. I think, you know, we live in a capitalistic society if you're in America, well, outside of America too, but we live in a capitalistic society, which there is a systematic structure that has caused us to, and, you know, slavery, systematic racism, capitalism, patriarchy have caused us to manipulate us to think differently about this resource. But like when you go into your kitchen and you want to turn on that faucet to boil some water, you're never like, oh, I got too much water in my house today. Oh gosh, who am I to receive more water to drink and to cook with? And you don't really re recognize the value of that resource until you go to another country. Right. I know for me, until water is actually legit, is a valuable resource that we don't even, we second guess and undermine and don't appreciate the value of, but it's just a resource. And when I can start, when I started to learn how to think about money as like, it's purely just a resource. And when I can come from a, a heart posture of recognizing it as a resource and not from a heart posture, from an ego stance of putting my worth in the, in the money, worshiping the money, you know, judging people based off of money, it completely changes the dynamic at play. But like, I think when I looked at it like that, from that vantage point, it's like, if the world is so abundant and I'm made in the image of how this world was created, who am I to be like, don't make me abundant in that resource? Like that, I can't be like talking to the world or the spirit of God, like, mm, don't bless me. Mm, who are you to try to keep blessing me abundantly? No, thanks. Like, who are you? Who am I? You are a vessel. You are an ambassador. And when I think about the ambassadorship, anybody here has watched 007? James Bond. I mean, I feel like everybody at least have heard yeah, of the man. Of course. Yeah. You know, he's sent on a mission to fulfill a mission. His whole job is to like fulfill the mission, do whatever the mission is. Every movie, guess what? James is on a mission. He got it. The bond has to fulfill one mission. <laughs> and when you think about yourself as an ambassador of the kingdom or the, you know, you're sent here to fulfill a mission in the season that you are in, your mission, like when, and then I think again, kind of from a humble or a grounded place is like, I'm just a vessel to fulfill that mission. And I know that me making a million dollars profit last year and still feels so weird for me to say, I cry every time. It's like, I'm a representation of what a millionaire now looks like because I, I have acquired that. It's like, that's just my assignment right now to be that, to heal my inner child stuff, yep. to be that for anybody that might see me or that might come across my path. And it's like, the last thing I'll say on this, because to me, it's a very spiritual experience. Money is just yeah. fairy dust in the godly realm of it all is like, I believe that me doing this and you doing whatever you've been called to do again, that going back to that mission, you operating in alignment with that mission is you operating from a place of spiritual obedience. Yeah. We all have that intuition. We all have that inner knowing we all get those inner nudges. And it's our, I think our only job as human beings, people are like, I got to find my purpose. All you really have to do is just act in alignment with whatever you've been obediently instructed to do. Yeah. And my grandma was like, listen to your first mind. What's your first mind say, Jerisha, before you could talk yourself out of it, before you could rationalize or logically have the doubts or the fears come in, but like follow your first mind, operate out of obedience. And I think operating out of obedience leads us to whatever that thing is. And, and me making the money that we've made or the business making the money that it's made is that our clients were operating out of obedience. I was functioning out of obedience. And then there was a crossover of two people operating out of obedience. 
And that's when blessings happen. Yeah. So I think, you know, the more money that we make, the more money that you make is really you functioning out of obedience and whoever it is that you've been called to serve, both of you guys just functioning out of obedience at the exact same time. And sometimes a, tra- a financial transaction takes place as an external representation of a blessing. You creating your offer is, is being a blessing to somebody else's desire. You know, Kathy, you creating this platform and creating this community and hosting this podcast and doing these interviews, both of y'all were just operating out of obedience. Blessings are being answered because of it. So that's kind of like all the reasons. Oh my God. It's so beautiful. I I wish I could just like kiss your forehead and give you a (laughs) hug because it is such, you kept saying the word blessing. You are such a blessing. And you said seven seconds before that you are now representation of what a millionaire looks like that is worthy of tears isn't it because how much does the world need that how much does the world need a beautiful humble woman you know especially a woman of color who is this like so dropped in to service like yes 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 right um and you're right what you said i think about all the time how it's not a it's not a choice between being spiritual and being wealthy. You know, I think about like King David wrote all those Psalms as I walk through the valley of a shadow of death. This man was so close to God. He was one of the wealthiest people that ever lived in history. It's actually a greater test the more wealth you have because you are just now a custodian of this wealth, right? You are a custodian of this resource. And your everything you just said was like music because it's true. The water is also an equally powerful resource. And if you strolled through some of the villages across the world, you'd go, Oh, right. You know, mm-hmm. that that's equally as valuable, but I don't make a whole thing about it. So there's so much humility in the way in which you walk and the way in which you perceive the world. And I I'm, I'm so here for it. So let's talk about the, the other side of it. You've done a, also a fair amount of posting where people are like, Oh, what do I do? What do I do? And you're like, Hey, zero to hundred K go make a sale. And so the reason I want to bring this up is because it's one thing to have the gift of hearing what you just said. It was beautiful and it's nourishment. It's another thing when you're then telling that person, go show up and make an offer because it's like, er, you know, all of our fear, all of our imposter syndrome, all of this stuff comes up again. And it's like, I can hear her say it. I get it. It goes in easy. I know she's coming from truth. But for her to now tell me to go make a sale, now I'm worried about that person in front of me and the fact that they don't have the money. So who am I to charge a lot? Let's talk about what does it mean? Because I'm sure you've heard people say, charge what you're worth or da 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 da. And you're just like, what's the deal with selling and charging? And what is it really about? How do we actually do that with humility and confidence rather than backing down from it? Because we get in all of these like, these just mindsets that actually keep us from blessing this other human being, right? We get in our resistance. So how can we un- unwind that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anytime I notice that, again, it goes back to one obedience. Like what am I being obediently called to do? And what am I avoiding doing that's out of alignment to me functioning in obedience? And again, this is very spiritual for me. Anytime yeah. I act out of alignment to me is almost like a direct disobedience to what I've been spiritually called to do. And I'm like, that's some real ballsy stuff to be like, (laughs) 
yeah, I know you want me to be out here blessing people in this way, but like, nah, bro, I ain't about to do it. Like, who am I to tell big dog upstairs? Like, <laughs> nah, I'm good. Like that. So that's partly what keeps me in check. Um, <laughs> the other thing is that like, we're a three-part being like mind, body, and spirit. And I think, um, depending on how you might've grown up or whatever, I think the church, a lot of the time trains us to function in the spirit. It teaches a lot about what you were just saying. This was a very spiritual. I felt that. Yeah. I think we have to also learn how do I now function in the flesh and functioning in the flesh is like being able to say, Oh, I have these emotions and I have these feelings, which I can hold valid and I'm a human and, and I have feelings, but what are the facts of the situation? Oh, I'm scared to do a live stream. What are the facts of the situation? Have you ever been on FaceTime before with somebody? Guess what? You've done a live stream. You've done it. And like, you know, or I'm afraid like this person can't charge my worth. I mean, this person can't pay for what I'm selling. It's like, pause. How do you know that's true? You over here counting their pockets. You don't know what pockets they got. You don't know what pockets they don't have on right now. They might have money in. Like, who are you to be counting their pockets? And that's pure ego because now you're making the decision for them versus allowing them the opportunity to make that decision for themselves. Yes. Like you, you don't know what they're willing to sacrifice and what they're being obediently called to do, where they're being called to step into faith, to make the decision to go sell their car to work with you or to go, you know, me, I just bought a new wig. My hair looks, my hair is about this long, but I also bought a wig. So I don't have to do like what you did this morning where you had to curl your own hair. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe all I had to do was put this on. Girl, I was ready to go. But it's like, or I might be like, okay, I'm not going to buy hair extensions for the next three months. I'm going to choose to take this personal luxury and go invest it in whatever service it is that I know that I need. So I think like when it comes to that, that's the first place I try to ground myself in of like, one, it's not my job, like me operating out of ego to make a decision for somebody else without even giving them the opportunity to make the decision. Y'all, we'd be ready to quit our jobs and cuss out corporate America because that's exactly what they do to us. So who are we to turn around and do the exact same thing to our prospects and our clients? So like, that's like first and foremost. And secondly, it's like, am I doing the decision, me making an offer from a place of, and I think how we can get more confident in selling is operating from a place of permission and consent. Like, and I think this is, again, a huge part of how we teach how to sell and how to design offers inside of Leverage. But I think sometimes when you are trying to sell an offer to somebody who is not consciously aware that they have the problem that your product solves, that's where sometimes there can be misalignment, where it can feel forceful or manipulative or whatever, which can cause resistance to want to actively sell it. Versus if you had proper qualifications in place to say, when people meet these qualifiers, I know that that's a good and uh, input ingredient for my offer. And I know that my offer for the problem that they have and the qualifiers that they currently meet uh, align to know that there's a very high probability that they will be able to get the result that I'm promising with whatever it is that I'm selling. So there's initial alignment and congruency. So then it's like, I'm now selling ethically. I'm not trying to go sell a Lamborghini to some to, to my cousin yeah. in the hood who yeah. done got their car repoed. And it's just, you don't see Lamborghini de- dealerships where my cousins live in the hood. Like it's, it's out of alignment. It's laughable, but when it thinks to, are you creating an offer where you are designing an offer for somebody who does not meet the qualifications for what it is that you're selling? And I love my cousins. They make their own life decisions. It's they issue, they, they buying the Lambo. That's they, that's their prerogative. But you know, it's, there's also a reason I, you know, when I come to California and I'm in La Jolla, 
there's no McDonald's in La Jolla. There's no mm-hmm. fast food restaurants in La Jolla. Yep. Because it's out of alignment for the demographic. You know, they got all these juice bars. They got all these vegan fufu avocado. Y'all, they love avocados in California. They put it on everything. And I, avocados in Michigan is are expensive. You buy avocado, it's like, this is a luxury. I want extra avocado. Qdoba charging you $3 for a scoop. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> But it's it's a proper alignment. So I think sometimes when there's resistance to selling, your offer might be, you know, improperly positioned for the person, the problem and, and what's being delivered, the promise of what's being offered. So I hope that that helps offer some context from the mindset perspective of it. Uh, not only that, but when is the talk show? Because you <laughs> need to be on TV yesterday. Like You're the fourth ev- person that okay. has said that this week. Okay, great. I'm yeah. receiving the invitation. I have oh, no yeah. idea what the talk show would be, but I'm available. Let's just be open to that, selecting that from the field because you are a vibrational match to your own talk show. And that's all I'm going to say. So, so many nuggets in there that are just like gold. Like you literally just collapsed time and space. People listening to that last seven minutes, the whole thing. You just effectively brought us eight years into the future of what it would take to land on those principles. So here's one of the things that you just said. You just stripped this conversation of codependency because you're like, let someone else make their own choice. And this is why I said before I used the word clean. Your energy is very clean. When I see you sell, I don't feel that you're worried about how the audience is feeling about it. You are clear, like, here's my assignment. I'll leave it here. It's it, you'll, you'll take it or you'll leave it. And I'll allow you to make your own call. Like, I'm not going to own that. There's something about me that should feel like I'm a Velcro match now for the part of you. That's like, who is she to charge that? Like, that's not in the atmosphere for you at all. It's clean. Therefore, I can tell you're not wounded. Like if someone doesn't buy, you're you're like, that's okay. Great. You made a good choice for yourself. And then when your audience, when your buyer feels that, it allows them to just come forward, right? Come forward without that. So I do think that that is revolutionary. Most people are carrying around this feeling of, well, I can just tell that the lowest common denominator would be people who can't even afford $20. So who am I to charge $5,000 for a program? And then I feel like I'm going to be, there's shade thrown at me. And here you come and you're like, all right, well, there's buyers at every price and Mm -hmm. I'll let them decide. But you realize that that's not, that's not typical. There is so much codependency and it gets us in trouble because we're not able then to help people rise if we're all caught up in our own need for us people to like us, our own need for people to co-sign and approve of our decisions. I mean, God, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions and a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. That's, how are you going to carry that around? So what do you, I'm sure because you coach a lot of people and you coach them successfully. How do you help them really set that down? Oh, gosh. I mean, <clears throat> one, they have it. Two, go to therapy. Um, that's like, I think everybody needs to be in therapy because there's so much, a lot of that stuff is because it has, you're being triggered or queued up in your business because of childhood trauma that probably hasn't been addressed. Totally true. Nine times out of nine times. Like, is that true or true? Um, so like, that's, you know, like I, I do recognize as a coach, there's, there are certain layers of the onion that is not my responsibility to peel back. 
and I'm not about to peel it back because I'm not qualified to handle the that layer of it. Um, but part of our job, I think half of your job as a coach is managing the expectations of the clients that come into your container. And what you just said is something that a lot of our clients do struggle with. They'll come into our space. And I know even my own energy can be a lot to absorb once they get in as a student. And a lot of the time it happens often when they come in, they, they forget their magic. It's like they hand, they buy and they hand over their magic and they like, they forget that like you already knew how to sell before you got here. The thing that you were already delivering already worked. You do not need to create a replicated version of the Jerisha Hawk show. Um, right. One day we're going to have a TV show. I, I'm opening to that. I'm open to that invitation. It's happening today, folks. She's totally <sighs> clear portal now. Yeah. Like, so part of our job is just reminding our clients that like you have got to own when clients come into our process they always say that it's a very spiritual and healing journey because the only way for our method to work for them is if they have a deeper level of embodiment around who they already are before they got here, around owning their own expertise, remembering the, the value that they currently deliver. They do not need to copy what we do. We don't teach them to copy what we do. We do not teach them to replicate the business model that I've created. We teach them to use these proven principles, leverage them as tools, and you need to own what you came in here for, because one of our qualifications is you can't join our program if you have not already, again, proper qualification. But like if, if they don't, if we can't prove that they've already validated that they have a level of expertise around whatever it is that they do, they can't even get admitted. So everybody who comes into our spaces, you already have expertise, you already have intellectual property, you already have proven results. Now come into our space and more deeply own that. And we have to remind them of that sometimes of like, you're not making a Drisha Hawk business. You are not trying to go create another coaching, like, you know, like what I sell is not more valuable than what it is that you do. And sometimes we do have to remind them of that yeah. um, and remind them of, of maintaining integrity with where their expertise is. And again, publicly owning that. I think the other thing is that our method requires that people have a perspective. And I think in this online space, if you're growing organically and you're creating content, you have to have an opinion about what it is that you do and you yeah. have to have conviction around what your perspective is. Because if you don't, you will end up creating content or showing up online or speaking out on, on stages, sounding like, like a whitewashed version of yeah. like yeah. Becky, Sally, and Sue. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you're just regurgitating what you think somebody else who's quote unquote more successful than you has said yeah. versus like, this is what I believe. I have conviction around it and here's my perspective. And I think, you know, kind of the thing that we try to remind our clients and we infuse into our curriculum is that people are not paying for your perfection. They are paying for your perspective. It is your responsibility. If you're a coach, a course creator, your all of your products is based off of your intellectual property and your perspective yeah. around that solution. So that is the, good. Like the integrity of your value is based off the conviction of your perspective. So it's, it, it can be difficult at times because I think a lot of coaching programs, like you said, uh, the codependency is rapid. Like it's very common. And there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen yeah. when people come from other programs where it's like, wait a minute, Kathy, you're not going to make the decision for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, yeah, I'm going to yeah. aid you and support you with asking the right questions and offering you framework so that I can teach you how to think to make the decision for yourself. Yeah. But that can cause a lot of resistance. Yep. So we One have to manage that resistance. I love that. It's not about perfection. It's about perspective. 
This conversation is incredible. Before we keep going, I just want to thank our sponsors. I've noticed lately that prices have gone up on almost everything, especially essentials like gas, groceries, and utilities. That's why it's a great time to use GoodRx to save on your prescription costs. With GoodRx, you can instantly compare prices for your prescription at all the pharmacies in your neighborhood to save up to 80%. Best of all, GoodRx is free and easy to use. In fact, it's the number one most downloaded medical app. It works whether you do or don't have insurance, but even if you have insurance, GoodRx may actually beat your copay price. You can check GoodRx online or on their app to find savings at over 7 70,000 pharmacies nationwide like CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, and more. I've been dealing with this cough at night that refuses to go away. So I use GoodRx to find some medicine that really could help. And it was just really easy. I typed it into the search bar and it listed the pharmacies where I can get the best discount. And I ended up saving 60%. That is such a helpful resource, especially with the crazy cost of healthcare and medicine these days. So I definitely recommend that you check it out. For simple, smart savings in your prescriptions, go to goodrx.com slash dreamjob. That's goodrx.com slash dreamjob to start saving on your prescriptions. GoodRx is not insurance, but can be used instead of insurance. In 2021, GoodRx users saved an average of 81% on retail prescription prices. I know that paying off debt can be stressful, especially when you need to keep track of multiple monthly payment dates. If you're tired of juggling due dates, then consolidating with a personal loan could be your solution. That way you're going to have just one due date a month and Credit Karma is here to help find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you so you can have a better idea what loan amount you can get approved for. They'll even show you your chances of approval so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It won't affect your credit scores and could save you money. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to see personalized offers. Go to creditkarma.com slash loan offers to find a loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. One of the things that I was always just so blown away with, with you that, that comes through you, and I, I've been watching you for the last few years, and you're like probably, I think you're at least 10 years, if not more younger than me. And I was like, wow, she's really allowing herself to claim it. And you said that a few times just now, you know, we want our students to claim it, to own it. You use that word interchangeably. And then you said the word conviction, which is really the same thing is like, have conviction, like put a stake in the ground and say, this is how I feel about this. And um, that's leadership. You know, Seth Godin is like probably one of my biggest mentors. And he's like, Leadership doesn't mean that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're objectively right all the time, but you're willing to stake a claim and then you will lead your way through it. And so few people are willing to raise their hand and be a leader. It's like, ooh, but I'll, then I'll, I'll be on the hook for having said, this is what I think. It's like, correct, right? So instead, what are you going to do? Just keep regurgitating what you think the crowd thinks? It's like you do at some point have to say what I feel. And so I love that you are creating that within your community. So let's talk about how we claim it, because what often happens is people say, well, whoa, 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 hold up. I can't claim it because I I don't feel like I have the qualifications yet. I don't I feel like I'm a fraud. You know, Jerisha could claim it. Oprah could claim it. Kathy could claim it. Seth Godin can claim it. But you don't understand. Like people then look at themselves under a microscope and that thing about perfection, it's huge. Like Mm -hmm. we don't think that we're anywhere close to being able to have anything to say until someone else gives us the permission. And that's just never going to happen. Like no one came for you and me and said, okay, all right, now's the time, you know, you can actually show up and say something. So 
how do you help people to recognize that they have an opening to claim right now? How do you help people do that when there's such a rampant amount of imposter syndrome? I think sometimes I'll use a personal example and maybe paint this picture is that growing up, my mom left when I was two. I left my dad in middle school. My grandmother and aunt raised me like my black, oh my God. black aunt. Intense. And it's like when I growing up in a, in that cultural di- di- dynamic, it's you're always told that you have to be twice as good to get paid half as much. We know that racism and systematic racism is a real thing. And I, I believe that I can walk up like there are the facts of the matter of the situation of what in which I was born into and which of how society might or might not perceive me. But even with all that given, what you going to do? You black, I'm mixed, but society views me as a black woman. I'm going to, you know, people, I know me looking the way that I do, having the profession that I had, I know that I'm like, they say, if you look too pretty, you might not be taken seriously. If you don't stand out too much, you do exactly what you're told. You speak when you're spoken to stay out of grown folks business. Like, has anybody ever heard like any variation of this? It's like, let's just say all that is true. What are you going to do? I still truly believe that like we were all given free will and that we were all given free choice. That's right. So like, regardless of what I was born into, regardless of what you were born into, regardless of what your auntie, your grandma, your mama, your daddy, your ex-boyfriend who really was <laughs> trash, you never should have dated him in the first place. Regardless of what anybody told you, I, let's say all of it's true. Then what are you going to do? And I think that's always been kind of the perspective I've had of like, I, I was in college and I ran out of financial aid. I didn't know you could run out of financial aid my senior year of school. It's like, well, you ain't got no money. There's no more financial aid. If you oh want to graduate God. and get this degree, you have to come out of pocket. So I'm sit- I have a choice to make in that moment. I can either say, well, my financial aid ran out. My grandma was telling me, baby, just come back home. I'll take care of you. Because my aunt had just passed. She was lonely. She wanted me to be at home with her. And it was like, or what am I going to do? I'm like, well, I could strip. I don't have the body for that, nor I don't have that level of confidence either. That's like an acrobatic situation that is like beyond my capability limit. You know, when that uh, video came out with all these TikTok dances, I'm like, Lord, if that's the way I'm going to make money, I'm not, I'm going to lose. Cause that is not, I got barely any rhythm. I got enough to get by to keep my black car, but that's it. Oh my God. Like, okay. The second I'm like, what am I going to do? Sell drugs? Like there's always choices that always, they always have consequences. I decided to start a business. I had no idea how to run a business. I had no idea what I was going to sell. And I figured it out, made 50 grand, paid off my tuition, bought a car and graduated. But like, I think this, let's just say every, all those limiting beliefs are true. Let's just say they are, regardless if they are or not. Let's say that we don't even have the emotional bandwidth or the emotional capabilities yet. We, have, we don't have the tools to navigate the inner workings of them. All right, let's just say it's true. Then what are you going to do? And I, that's a choice you always have. It might be like, well, my grandma, my mom might get mad at me. Okay, what are you going to do? You're either going to make a choice to people please her or you're going to make a choice again, back in alignment with what you've been obediently called to do. So I think so many of these choices that I've made are not because I had more like emotional resilience per se. I guess maybe obedience is a form of emotional resiliency, but like for me, it's a very spiritual experience. It's like, it is obedience. It's like, what, am I going to be obedient to this person's comfort zone or be obedient to what I've been called to do? Am I going to be obedient to my current comfort zone or am I going to be obedient to what the future version of myself is calling me into right now? Am I going to let the thread of the future to pull me forward? 
And it's like, it, it, I can tell anytime, anytime I'm having struggles in my life, anytime I'm not getting the results that I personally desire, I always go back to where are you operating out of obedience? And I can always pinpoint it. I was yeah. like, I was more worried about what my husband thought than what I thought yeah. or what I've been obediently called to. And I think like the, the more you operate out of obedience, it builds up your courage to respond quicker to that obedience. And I'm not saying like, I'm terrified half the time. People think I always like, Jay, you got so much confidence. I'm like, I have confidence knowing that my obedience will lead me where I need to go. But I am terrified on a daily basis of like the world around me as I'm making those choices. Everyone is so blessed by this conversation. I can feel it in my bones. It's straight fire. And it's, it is just incredible how you have this fierce, beautiful truth. And it is, I am above my environment. I'm above my circumstance. I'm above what people say because I am connected to where I feel called, period, end of You're story. connected and you'll be protected. I wanna remind you guys of that. You will be protected. Like this stuff makes me so emotional because I think um, growing up without my parents, it's like those are the two human beings in the world that only have any real responsibility to you. And they both were, they made choices. And I, and I like to look at it now as they made, maybe they were being obedient to what they were called to do in their form of parenthood to choose to give me over to my grandmother and choose to not be present. Maybe that was their form of obedience. But it's just like, when you can, I think, remember that like nothing in this world is owed to you. You are entitled to nothing. Like, honestly, we're not. Like, we are not entitled to a thing. Um, even our parents, we don't come from them. We come through them. Like, they are truly just vessels that bring us into the world. And like, you know, I, I used to have so much anger around, and I'm using this again, hopefully as an example of like, I used to have so much anger and I lacked self-worth and I did not love myself and I doubted myself. And I said, I did not think I was good enough in any regard. You're too white for the black kids. You're too black for the white kids. Like you're biracial. I feel like I did not belong anywhere, but it's just like, that gave me a sense of ownership over my life of like, you know, Jay, it is, and again, recognizing the bigger picture of it all. It's like, I'm a vessel my job is to be obedient. My job is to live an abundant and a full life to like be conscious and be active in doing the living. And like at any moment, and if COVID didn't do this for us, people were dying. Like so many people have died. And it's like, our life is not promised tomorrow as much as we wish we had control that it would be. So like, be courageous. It feels really good when you do too. And you can be a light in this world that we need more light in. So I don't know. I just, I hope that that is like a lot of it comes because I had to be my own safety net and I'm working through my own junk and Trump and, and, and therapy. Cause y'all got my own stuff too. It's not all picture perfect over here, but it's like, if you trust nobody else, if you believe in nobody else, why, if you've got to bet on you, you got to show up for you. You have to show up for your calling and what you've been obediently called to. And it's the calling, the perspective, I promise you, it will, you'll be protected as well. You may not recognize it in the moment, but you will be protected. I just totally had tears in my eyes. And I'm sure a lot of other people are feeling the same way because we're very blessed that you're here, standing here, speaking the way you speak, living the way you live. I have met people who have one ounce of one ounce of that story and they don't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And here you are and you're just like, hey world, let's just go let's just do this thing, you know? And it's so awesome. 
And it really is. It's, it's big. It's really big. And like, it's just amazing how you're changing the world. And, and the race that a lot of people are trying to win, you're not even trying to win that race either. It's like, not only did you get it, but you like knew where to like focus your energy. And so it's like, it, it is incredible. I mean, a lot of people would, would say like, oh, before you can start a business, you can't make a million dollars unless you have 2 million followers. You can't make a million dollars profit unless you, you know, you're the number one this and the best selling it. And you're just like, yeah, when you focus your energy on what actually matters and you cut out all the noise and all the fat and you just show up, boom. Like the levels at which you are playing, it's like jaw dropping. And in this one spirit of yours, it's just amazing. And you're like 90 years old in this like younger person's body. It's amazing. There's so many more things that I I could ask you. I think one thing I'm going to ask you as a callback to what you said before is you said, a lot about pre-qualifying people. And you also talked about how like you wouldn't put a Lambo shop in a certain neighborhood, right? Depending on the, but depending on, it's really about radical empathy. It's like knowing who needs what you have. And so that's a really cool question. And that is something you talk about is like refining the promise of what you do and, and who it's for. And as people are beginning to build a business, that is Number one, <laughs> what is it and who's it for? And so maybe like just a, a word or two on that and, and how we can do that well. Um, it's a, like, I think you're probably not going to know the, what the real thing is that you're selling uh, probably for like maybe three or four years if you're just getting started today. Like it took me about a three solid years of testing, refinement, working with clients, evaluating the data, managing the landscape to get to the point where we had leverage and leverage was our million dollar offer. Um, that got us over the million dollar mark. So I think that like recognizing in the very beginning, be willing to test. And again, it's this balance between what you're obediently called to do. And like, we also are playing a capitalistic game. So you can't take out the economy and the real world that we're functioning and creating offers in out of question. So it's like, and I think if, as long as you're in a, in a space of continuous refinement and using data to inform your intuition, and being allowing yourself to like, I'm gonna have these sales calls so I can get the data to get the feedback to know where my messaging is off or my qualifications are off um, and being a consistent place of refinement, that will help you get to a place of having a more properly aligned offer. But there's a lot of testing and a lot of trial and error that's at play. That's it, yeah, that's it. Um, and those of you who wanna be a coach specifically and who wanna create an amazing coaching program, you should definitely get on Jerisha's wait list for leverage because it's incredible. Um, one of the questions here, I think it's a good question because people ask this a lot. I have no idea what my calling is, like no idea. And th that is a question people have before they can even begin the business. It's like, what is the calling? Oh, Maybe, yeah. Don't overthink that one. Like your calling, I think I truly believe that you operate in seasons. I feel like I've, you're going to have, I think, thousands of callings in the course of your lifetime. Wow. Um, I think sometimes we put too much pressure on like, what's my purpose? And if I'm not monetizing my purpose, what is life? It's like every purpose does not need to be monetized and should not be monetized. Some purposes are just like hobbies and passions and life projects. Um, but when it comes to business, it's all people are really at the fundamentally are paying for a problem to be solved. So I would first, if you've ever had a job and you've ever been financially compensated for your level of expertise or something that you provide, 
I can guarantee you there's some commonality <laughs> of all the jobs that you've had of a skill set that you have that is valuable to somebody who's willing to pay for it. Like I've always done sales, like from Cold Stone to doing auto shows to Chrysler, <laughs> even in an engineering role, I was always selling myself for positions. So it's like, there's, I think, look at it as of like one, where is there currently demand that exists? Where are people already coming to me to help me solve a problem that, that correlates something they're willing to pay for? And secondarily, where are those transferable skills that I already have? And where are result and maybe where are the results that I've already gotten that I can now package into an offer that I can sell? That's the best place that I would tell you to start. I love that answer. I've never heard that answer. And I've asked that question at least 400 times, which is, <laughs> I just love what you said. Like, don't overthink that one. There's going to be many of them, different seasons. You don't have to monetize each one. That's so true because people get so stuck there as if it has to be one holy grail of an answer. And it, there's a lot of pivots and a lot of different things along the way. You're the best. You, you really, really are. And I, I feel like it's such an honor to have spent this time with you. And I just, I love you immediately. I'm sure everybody feels the same way. So I get to be the ambassador to tell you what everyone's feeling, which is this was just like such an enriching, gorgeous gift to be with you today. Well, Kathy, you know how to hold some space and you know how to ask some questions. So you made this so easy for me to to just be in this environment to allow all this to come out. So I'm really glad that we met years ago through, I think I'm like an Instagram post giveaway. I think Julie Solomon connected us. Tell them where they can find you. Tell them where they can get on the wait list for leverage. Tell them where they can get all the things. Um, I mean, Instagram is like my hub. So uh, one, again, I would love to continue the conversation. So tag us on your Instagram stories at Jerusha yes, Talk. Yes, yes. Um, but Instagram is like, that's my playground. So come on over. Yeah, I'm just super pumped to continue the combo. Oh my gosh, you're the best. I want to have, I feel like I need you back on the podcast like once a year because there's just so much here and- and uh, next time you're on, we're going to talk about that talk show and uh, where it's going to be. I don't know if it's Hulu, Netflix, Peacock, but it's happening and I'm so here for it. So get me tickets. I want to be there. Thank you guys so much for having me. You are gorgeous. God bless you, babe. Thank you. Bye. She's just amazing. Here are the takeaways. Number one, we're all trust fund babies of the spiritual kingdom. We serve an abundant God. The world is insanely abundant. Number two, you are a vessel, an ambassador who was sent here to fulfill a mission. Your only job is to act in alignment with whatever you've been obediently instructed to do. Number three, listen to your first mind. Number four, your offer is a blessing to someone else's desire. Number five, people aren't paying you for perfection. They're paying for your perspective. Number six, there's always a choice. Will you be obedient to your comfort zone or to what your future self is calling you to do? Number seven, we go through seasons of callings. You can have thousands of callings in your lifetime. And number eight, bet on you. Show up for you, show up for your calling and what you're obediently called to do. Okay, I want to celebrate some wins from our alumni. So Addie said, my win is I have no desire to do anything else. I hope I never wake up from this amazing dream of helping women who feel stuck in a life they're not happy in, women rising together. Addie, I'm so happy for you. This is just the best feeling ever. It's astounding how this podcast has changed all of it, right? And you're giving you energy and giving you this insane sense of purpose. I know that there are just so many women who will be continuing to have their lives changed because of you. So I'm really looking forward to hearing how this keeps growing. You can all go give Addie's podcast a listen. It's called Women Rising Together. And the next win is from Jenny. And she said, my podcast launched a month ago and has been listened to in 23 countries. 
That's incredible. You should be so proud of yourself. Your message is so powerful and so needed all around the world. I'm really excited for you to connect with even more countries that come into your beautiful community. Let's all go give Jenny some love. Her podcast is called The Art of Finding Joy. And if you're interested in starting a podcast, you can DM me on Instagram because I do have a cheat sheet, which helps you get all the things in motion, not just technology wise, but also gives you some really good tools on how to start thinking through what are the things that you might need. So if you want to get that free cheat sheet, you can come over to my Instagram at kathy.heller. And not only will I put it in the link in bio, but if you DM me, I can send you that and some extra stuff around that as well. Thank you so much for listening. I never take it for granted that you're here. There are so many good conversations coming up soon. So make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. And if you want to support us, the very best way to do that is to leave a review and to share the show. So subscribe, leave a review, and then share it. You know, you can share this on your Instagram and tag me and tag Jerisha. She's at Jerisha Hawk. J-E-R-E-S-H-I-A-H-A-W-K. It's just always such a gift when you guys share this and other people get to find this episode, get to find her work. I think that so many people will be blessed by her and her energy and her wisdom and her spirit. Thank you so much for supporting. Thank you so much for being a part of this movement. I love this community so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine. Have a great weekend. We should get away, make today a holiday. Steal a little time, stay in bed or go outside. Don't matter what we do, as long as I'm with you, you know. My favorite point of view is when you're standing here. You make me happy, I'm so happy you make me in the rain kiss under the overhang share an ice cream cone share some secrets no one knows